0: episode 25 of dom details i'm justin and as always i'm joined by my esteemed co-host the relics of repartee the wonders of wordplay donnie cote and babe and as always our executive producer dizzy patterson is behind the glass and over a bottle we're back for another episode and yes we've had a bit of a layoff but as they say good things come to those who wait gentlemen how have you been babe why don't we start with you
1: been really good justin just got back from phoenix um spent my $300 on COVID tests to come back and nobody checked them on the border. So that, that was good news.
0: <laughs> Fantastic to hear. Kote, what about you? How you've been?
2: I've been good, busy, you know, painting at one kid's house and helping another kid with the floor and Danny redirected into Rochester. So he's got his place there now. And uh, yeah, everything's good down here and seeing kitty cats. It's um, weather here is beautiful. We don't have any snow like you fucking morons do north of Toronto. So, it's uh yeah everything's good and uh uh no complaints whatsoever looking forward to tonight we got a super guest and i uh, can't wait that rag his
0: ass. Donnie, her what about ass, you? Her ass i mean her ass pardon me <laughs> donnie what about you how you been
3: oh fantastic yeah yeah it's a great year this year just keeps rolling on i mean you couldn't ask for much more it's been uh, it's just phenomenal you know you thought uh it was so good to say goodbye to 2020 and 2021 has been a butte. So I'm only hoping that 2022 can live up to the high bar that we've set for this, but, uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm disappointed. Uh, I thought we were going without a guest tonight. So a little, a little bit of a downer there to, to think that we have a guest. I thought it was just going to be rock and roll, uh, here with the best in the business, but let's hope it's a good one. I'm not sure who we got, but I know I, Hey, I've, I've i talked to Chevy too. <coughs> Chevy called me, uh, the other day and uh, and I, I talked him into he wants to be a guest but he'll only do it with Marty so I said we could make that sacrifice. And,
2: uh, what you mean with Marty's computer? I probably, <laughs> probably yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the, the, yeah. the Tandy won't work the one so, fucking Radio Shack. So who
3: we got tonight? Let's get going. Let's get ready
0: guys. Let's bring out tonight's guest. This guest like Chevy doesn't need dial up. So let's welcome him in Tonight's guest is the winner of four Dom Day championships, which is surprising after it took him 20 years to win his first. He also has two Worst Athlete Awards, one coach, Worst Coach Award, and is our most recent Dom Day Hall of Fame inductee. He may not have won the keg race, but he's most certainly what you remember the most from that day. Welcome to our show, Roscoe Coombs-Size.
1: Oh, he's Come your on. dad, too. Woo! Yeah.
4: Hey, Roscoe. guys. How are you? How are you?
1: Man. Didn't realize how many trophies you had, Coombs.
4: Oh, babe. They saved the best for me, you know. <laughs> viewers, at home, viewers at home can't see it,
2: but you should have got a fucking haircut for this thing. Holy Christ.
4: <laughs> oh,
1: fucking relaxer, Larry from Rexdale Barber Shop. Yeah,
2: you jealous prick. <laughs> at least I
1: got something to cut. Oh, yeah. Well, let's get into that. You're very mean spirited tonight, Paul.
0: <laughs> All right. Why don't we start with the question? We start with everybody. How did you join Dom Day?
4: Well, actually, uh, I don't know if you guys recall, but I was there for Dom Day one in 1978. I think Babe, you and Cote, I believe, and Woodsy played at the time in 78. And of course, I tagged along uh, just to see what the heck was going on there. The next thing you know, I'm, I'm an umpire uh, in Dom day one. And, uh, man, oh I gotta, t- I, 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 I gotta <laughs> tell you that there were some fiery guys. That's for damn sure. Uh, there wasn't a, a play I would call that was right. So, uh, uh, it got good. I mean, I got, I had, you know, Chuck in my grill and, and Al and, uh, Greg Woodford. Greg Woodford was a, sure. a dynamite one. Uh, you know, sure. it was, uh, Boy, my first experience with Dom Day was uh, a little crazy, that's for sure, as a, as an umpire. But it got, gave me a taste for uh, what you guys were up to, and and I, I had hoped that I could uh, be a part of it in the following years.
1: Yeah, well, Coombs, truly, nobody understood the game better than you did, and nobody <laughs> saw it better from your point of view. So,
4: well, Babe was, probably it got it, two of the probably got two of the best eyes in the league, you know. So. <laughs>
0: And then you joined Dom Day a year later on Dom Day 2.
4: Yeah, uh, 1979 was my uh, first year in, uh, in Dom Day. And, um, you know, I, I, you guys will remember that back then uh, you used to do the, uh, the May. Starting up in about May, we would go over to uh, Case Field and have the practice warm-ups and all that. And, and the rookies at the time, true story, and I know you talked about it before, had to bring a case of beer. And uh, I got to correct you on one of your prior sessions, because you used to always say a, a square of Coors Light. Well, Coors Light wasn't in Canada at that point in time. And, and I was smart enough to realize that Donnie's favorite beer was Carly Lights. So uh, I made <laughs> sure I, I, uh, I brought my square of Carly Lights to the field. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe that's the reason I got into Dom Day 2.
0: That is the reason. <laughs> it, it, and is that also oh, oh, why you named all... your
4: daughter Carly? Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah, yeah.
2: That's it. after a fucking case of beer. Beer. Yeah. I so she was uh,
4: conceived. That's that's uh, that was how I got into Dom Day 2, and um, uh, the rest is history from there for sure. But uh, you, you know the the first year, um, I don't know if you'll recall this, but uh, I I actually had a great shot of winning as a rookie. Um, played for the. The red machine and uh god damn it, we were up nine runs in the last inning and uh we lost that game in the final inning to the dogs and yeah, it took me a few years after that to finally win one, but uh that's uh that's how it all started.
2: Is that right? You guys were up by nine runs. I cause I was nine, on nine runs team. in the final wow. inning.
4: Wow, yep. holy yep. shit, you guys yep. were terrible on defense. <laughs>
0: Do you remember where you played? Were you always well, a
4: catcher? Actually, actually, no. I don't think I was a catcher at that point in time. And and, and frankly, as you know, it took me twenty years to finally win one. <coughs> and that was again back with Pete and the Red Machine. And uh, it was actually my counsel that said, "Pete, quit playing me in center field. Maybe I ought to be your catcher." <laughs> and and uh, you know, he he finally listened, and we uh, finally won with me on the team. Awesome. Yeah. So your nickname Coombs. Where does that come from? Well, you know, uh, there's no question that uh, Babe's the architect of uh, most of our, our nicknames in this crowd and uh, of course, uh, that was a beauty and that's one that stuck with me forever and uh, I cherish it and I actually, I love calling myself Coombs. Uh, but anyways, uh, there, there was a lacrosse player and, and Babe, you can fill in the blanks, but uh, there was a, a lacrosse player that played up in Peterborough by the name of Cy Coombs and so of course, as we, as you know, babe played for the, uh, the Warriors and would travel up to Peterborough to play the team up there. And there was this, apparently there was this picture of this guy, Cy Coombs on the wall up in Peterborough. And the next thing, you know, uh, here comes babe back with, uh, my nickname that's lasted forever.
1: Yeah. And this guy is a legend within lacrosse. He coached, he played and was an unbelievable player. And there is a, you know, not only a pitcher, but there's a big banner because they retired his jersey in Peterborough. And, you know, so it came back and said, you know, we used to call Ross Sighs, you know, just Sigh. And then it was Sigh Coombs. And that, that stuck. And it wasn't until about probably five years ago, Cote comes to me and he goes, hey, do you know there's a guy named Sigh Coombs in Peterborough? They, 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 his jersey's retired. And, you know, they get this big banner of him. I'm like, you fucking yeah. idiot!
4: Yeah, yeah. Where you yeah. been all your life? Yeah, I don't listen.
3: <laughs> you call
1: yourself God. a lacrosse guy? Uh, so,
3: yeah. he he was the coach of the junior team when we played. Yeah. when we played junior, and we had that memorable playoff series with them. He was their coach. He was a fiery guy.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had to go up to Peterborough on one of my visits up there to see my aunt and uncle, and I had, I went into the rink there to see the set. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it
0: was pretty funny. And from the Sycoom's, uh nickname comes comes your Dom Day team. And I'm, I'm sure you've listened to the previous 24 episodes. We've said nothing but great things about that franchise. <laughs> Where did the, uh, the, the Sox part of the name come from with the Sycoom Sox?
4: So uh, I think it was what? And you have to jog my memory on the time frame, but I think it was 83, 84 in there. Uh, of course, there was Howie's Hawks. And uh, Howie lost his team the year prior. And uh, I probably helped him lose it. But uh, so anyways, uh, mine was a transition off of the Howie's Hawks. And uh, that's why we rhymed it with Sox. Uh, Howie was uh, a big part of, you know, the decision that I was going to try and uh, be the next uh, stage of this, uh, this great uh, friendship. And so the Sox were born. Um, and in fact, back then, I don't know if you guys will recall, I had baseball caps too, where I had a, an S on the, on the baseball lid and it had a, a, a baseball bat cutting <laughs> diagonally through the S and, uh, we glued those all onto those baseball caps and how he helped me do that. Now he didn't play for the team, but, uh, he was certainly, uh, a driving influence in the, uh, transition from the Howie's Hawks to the Cycum Sox.
0: And he understood I, it was a business decision at that point when you yeah, got to the draft and didn't select them after all the groundwork he put in. Yeah. Thanks for your help. Howie now fuck off, you know?
1: Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Howie bend, bend over. <laughs> and, and for the millennials on the call, they might not remember this, but you, if you were a coach, you drafted, there wasn't uh, a spot that you said, Hey, if I was ninth round the year before, I didn't get a ninth round pick. You were the ninth yeah. round. You had to pick like everybody else. So Uh, Coombs, who was a perennial first or second round choice, um, you know, ended up with uh, really no first round pick that year, it was yourself, and that was the tougher part about picking back in those days because there wasn't that system. Who who did Buff
2: have when he was picking? Oh, that's right, Buff had Buff. Buff, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
4: Well, actually, so so then you know, come to think of it now that you mentioned that, babe um buff was my first pick so you know i don't know whether that was in the top of the second round or however that worked but you're okay. absolutely right they didn't have this graded bullshit that they have today and and uh, if you were a coach uh, you were a number one draft pick and so i was compared to the likes of uh, you know the al McCrays and the pete del and and and, and well, so i should have been frankly yes. so very true roscoe very true. Know, uh it worked out the, the funny, the funny thing is, uh, uh, you know, it's been called one of the worst teams to ever make the finals. And, uh, I, the only thing I can say about that is there's really two things <coughs> I can say about that. Number one, uh, it just speaks volumes to how shitty the rest of the other teams were that year. And, and uh, you know, uh, it's really a lesson in, in, uh, uh, mentoring and guiding people and getting the most out of them, motivationally, uh, as a coach, uh, to bring them to levels that they'd, they'd uh, otherwise never get to. So, there's this, a lesson from that one.
1: Is this Coombs or Bob Brandt
0: speaking now? <laughs>
4: <laughs> I went to the Bob Brandt school.
0: Yeah,
2: of horse shit.
0: <laughs> and and speaking of Bob Brandt, that's who beat you in the finals, and that was also uh, Black Sunday. So you were on the other end of. Uh, of Black Sunday, everybody talks about the the big match between uh, between the Hotel Nineteen and 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 the boys, but nobody talks about the letdown of the finals that would have happened right after when the boys smacked the uh, the socks uh, socks.
4: Yeah, so uh, in fact, uh, we had played uh, the Rebels in the last game of our round robin, and they absolutely trounced us. And then, of course, uh, as you know. Uh, the, they got to pick us in the, in the first round in the semifinals and, uh, we stuck it to them. We gave it back to them. So that's how we made the finals. But, uh, when you look at the whole black Sunday affair on the other side with uh, hotel 19 and, and of course, uh, the boys, the way I, the way I view it, as I look back now that you mentioned that to me the other day is that in fact, I won that tournament uh, it's just like a horse race. Uh, when you disqualify the winner, which we should have hey eh, babe, uh, yeah. the second horse wins the race. So, uh, I'm declaring that I won that Dom day.
1: <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? <laughs> I was going to say, seems babe, like you, a lot
0: of- you were second. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: that's great. I'll just move up a notch there.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, it seems like a lot of guys are claiming victory over that Dom day that year. So yeah. we're going to move on um, and talk about, you know, we mentioned off the top that you're a uh, Dom Day Hall of Famer. And, and you know, with that goes your athletic par- prowess. So why don't we hop right into probably your most athletic moment, the keg race, um, set the stage. I mean, Donnie, you, you were, uh, you know, there for this, what was, what was the origins behind the keg race?
3: Well, I, I think that, you know, that year we were, we were looking for some entertainment. And so we had a, um, and and as it turned out, that was the one and only year that we played on the West Diamond. Um, so we were we had shifted operations over to that diamond after a, a near fiasco where we were we were almost looking at canceling the tournament. We were able to salvage it uh, with uh, Alderman Morley Kells helped us at the last minute uh, <laughs> obtain a temporary permit for for the West Diamond. But we in the meantime we had we had set, talked talked about like after 78 and into 79 and into 80, we were like, okay, well, you know, we started to add things. Right. And so, you know, why don't we do a, why don't we do a barbecue on the sidelines or why don't we do this? Or why don't we do that? We said, why don't we come up with some, some entertainment halfway through the tournament and we'll do, you know, some skills events. Right. And so we had, uh, in addition to the keg race, I'm, I'm just trying to recall, we had the, we had the fastest runner, right. We had the, the fastest runner as well we had uh it was a it was a throwing thing from center field or something i remember brent ellis brought his brought his
4: uh
3: <laughs> every brought his the periscope or whatever oh, that yeah. Uh, oh, like yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Burbank. Remember? Burbank. Remember? Burbank,
3: yeah yeah, he had that baby out in the outfield oh. and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and uh so we had we had this whole if i had the programs here i know we had the the advertisement of the program that year of the different events. Anyhow, the one was the, the keg, the keg race, which was the final one. So all of the coaches in the tournament got to enter one player in each of these events and they, we contested the events and it was a a big crowd. We had a huge crowd at the West diamond wrapped around the, the, the fence there and whatever. And so the, the last event was the keg race. And for the keg race, you were supposed to, you know, enter your, your, your worst runner, your worst big base runner. And with the keg keg, meaning enormous gut, right? We, we, everybody loaded up on the, on the guy that had the big gut and the slow runner and whatever. So, so Roscoe got the call and I, I don't know who else was in there.
1: Roscoe, yeah, Woodford. Yeah,
4: I was, I was Anna, trying to figure Steve out, Anna? but I know, I know Woodford was one was of them.
1: A, um, was Jonesy in? Him?
4: Jonesy, yeah, maybe. I think maybe. Anna was
1: in. Anna.
4: Yeah, yeah, Anna was probably. I don't know if Lil was. I don't think Lil was. Was he? I can't remember. No, Lil no, was
1: the fastest runner. Yeah, that's uh,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was but the it, fastest guy to the barbecue. Right?
4: <laughs> so I, I, I got to admit, I have a faded memory on on who was in the cake. Yeah, but, but I, I, I think Jonesy I was Remember it. the outcome?
3: Yeah. So anyhow, <laughs> it, it also turned out to be a year when we were filming. Yeah. So we were at, we had the spurt scaffolding set up on the, on the, uh, first baseline down the first baseline there. And I think, uh, I think Al and I were doing the commentary and, uh, and, uh, so Ross comes up and, uh, and he comes up and, uh, you know, whoever, I think it was somebody blew a whistle or something that started off and somebody had a stopwatch mm-hmm. and, you know, so Ross is standing there at home plate and, uh, ready to go. And somebody blew the whistle and they're off he goes. And the commentary is phenomenal. Like Al, Al is doing this, this great. And he actually was was like, uh, you know, he got, he nailed it with a prediction. Right. (laughs) So, so, so so Ross comes down right down to first base, right, right out of the gate and trips. Right. And, and, uh, blows a wheel. Yeah. (laughs) Blows a wheel and then gets right back up and and uh but before that al had said i think he's gonna blow a tire I think, I think he's gonna blow a tire and sure enough he went down and he scurries around to second base and he scurries around you know with that alligator run of his and and uh and he's going around second base and going around third coming into a home and it's like just this roar i mean the crowd was just going crazy it was awesome and then he comes straddling up right, right past home base. He comes up the first baseline. He's got his glasses on. Right. And he comes up to the camera. We're, we're, you know, zooming in on him and talking to him at the same time. He takes his glasses off and there's literally there, there's a mark of dust around where his glasses were on. His face is covered with diamond dust. you know. And we interview him. And all. I mean, it was just one of those moments. You couldn't have scripted it any better. better. It was, it was unbelievable.
2: And now those guys, they had to go into the screen. They were doing 60 miles an hour there, yeah. third to home and they'd slam into the yeah. cage. Right.
1: Yeah. We, we and, didn't think about the runway for stopping for the heavier no. guys. And so, we're, we're, we're cackling on the commentary.
3: I mean, we, uh, you know, we've talked before in a couple episodes, where are those tapes? You know, we, we'd
1: love to grab them again. Cause that, that is a beauty. I mean, that, that would be great to get some of the audio footage on yeah. this of that I, yeah. i'm gonna see if i have some
2: Do you, well, you well, ate the, ate? Tape, the tapes are donnie like you you th- is that the mystery
3: yeah no idea like at one point in time huffy had some of them you know because he used to be the cameraman right and then i know i know uh Futes had one because i remember he had the one from uh when we cat called him when he won the championship for the spartans that year he had that tape for a little bit and whatever bobby had them but i don't know i don't know where they are you know, but they're, they are great, you know, and it's not, not just that one. It's all of them are just, there's classic stuff on
2: there. I don't know what we can do to find them. Mrs. Oh. P got hold of Bobby's and pissed on them, threw them in the toilet.
1: <laughs> oh, that's really nice. That's really nice talk.
0: <laughs> well, I was going to say on the topic of the the videos, I mean, I, I didn't live it, but I, I do know on, I want to say my dad's 50th, there were some people over at our house and I, I believe I want to say maybe one of the coats is, I think it was senior, They had somehow gotten it from somewhere and put it onto a DVD. And I remember coming home late that night after his 50th, I'd been out drinking and everybody's downstairs laughing and I go, okay, what's going on? I go to see what they're laughing about. And they're all watching this thing that I've heard plenty of growing up. Um, and I gotta tell you, you know, I, I, I remember one of the, one of my distinct memories that, you know, growing up is, is, you know, in the program, Donnie always had these little word games and word searches and all that crosswords. And one of the questions was, um, you know, besides Donovan Bailey, who's the fastest man on the planet? And the answer was my dad and coming home that night inebriated, and seeing the K race, I finally had put that childhood memory together <laughs> with the joke. Um, so there is definitely footage; I've seen it. Um, the K race did happen, um, but Dad Ross,
4: maybe I'll ask you, um, what's your perspective on the K grace? What's your memory? Uh, Donnie, Donnie nailed it. I couldn't have done a better description of that whole thing. But, but I'll I'll tell you what, the one, the one thing I remember after that was the interview with Donnie, because, you know, he came down off that scaffold, like no tomorrow. Right. He, he wanted this interview. Like it was the best thing he was going to ever do on tape. Right. So down, he comes off that scaffold and he puts his arm around me and he, he basically asked me, how do I feel? What was it like? And, and my response was, Donnie, this is the greatest day of my life. But, but, you know, if you can't, if you can't laugh at yourself, who can you laugh at? Right.
1: That's exactly right. Coombs. Now, did you, did you blow two tires or just one? I see. Remember you coming around third and wiping out two.
4: That, uh, I might have done it think, around third as well. Come to think of it,
3: I think yeah. he was. It was down again. Yeah. He's down
4: <laughs> yeah. again. Yeah, but uh, I don't. Uh, honestly, I don't recall any raspberries from those falls. <laughs> Oddly enough, you but have, you were using you some high
2: high quality running <laughs> shoes that had zero traction. Right? Zero. Yeah, there were no but spikes. Involved.
3: Didn't didn't uh, didn't Andrew or or uh, or uh, or a young filmman didn't Bobby they use, yeah didn't he use some of the footage in in I, that that I anniversary think, film yeah like I think the,
0: Andrew Andrew might have some because that's yeah. where I'm thinking of from the 50th I think it was uh Wendy and senior who might have had some yeah but so, I mean,
4: you know I honest to God I mean and babe and Co take can attest to this I used to be a skinny runt um, but uh, once once I met these guys yeah I think we had a few beer along the way that sort of added to my uh my posture.
2: Didn't make you a bad person, brosco no. Didn't make oh. you a bad person.
4: Good stuff. So we're gonna move on.
0: Um and and talk about some, you know, we talk about some legendary parties. Um and one of one of the ones I think that's been when talked about a bit is uh, you know, you've had some golf parties at, at Moncrief and and stuff like that. But why don't you tell us about some of the parties that you had hosted uh at your parents' place growing up.
4: Yeah. So um you know, like clockwork, my parents would go up to Bangor Lodge every August. And, uh, you know, every, every time they'd go, I'd get the lecture, don't have a party. No, no, won't have a party. Right. And every year I'd have a party. Uh, and they, uh, back then, you guys will recall, we used to do the golf in August. And so I had the Dom day golf party that one year. And, uh, You know i i spent the whole day cleaning the house out like putting you know stuff that i was worried about in the back bedrooms and all that trying to idiot proof this house so that nothing got destroyed and uh so here here i you know the next morning i'm cleaning everything up and i think i'm putting it back exactly where it was and you know my mom's never gonna know we had a party and when she came home, she didn't walk one foot in that front door, and the first words out of her mouth was, you had a party, didn't you? And I went, nope, didn't have a party this time, right? <laughs> and she knew. Um, there were a few clues that she picked up on pretty quick. Uh, one was we had a Wedgewood pot in that front foyer, and you know when you position a pot a certain way, there's a certain pictorial on it, right? She knew that thing had been moved, and sure enough, it had been. Uh, we were missing a an antique key to my mom's uh, antique bookshelf in the dining room, and uh, uh, we know it went missing that night. But uh, for once, it wasn't you, Cote. I can guarantee you that. I know that.
2: It was Ann, and uh, Ann tried to start <laughs> his car with it. <laughs>
4: and then and then uh of course she went down to the freezer <laughs> in the basement and opens the freezer and isn't there a half two four of smashed beer that froze to death in the freezer so there were definitely clues along the way but um for me that was a great that was one of the the greatest nights of my life because that's when i met my future wife um she came to that party with teresa uh, she was drinking tequila at the kitchen table with Al and Heather and Lil. And about 10 30, 11 o'clock, she says, I'm out of here. I'm going home, right? And yeah, I was pretty, I was feeling pretty good. So she had ordered a cab and out she goes to the curb and she's going to leave the party and and, uh, I'd have nothing of this, right? So I I ran out to the cab driver and I said, get the fuck out of here. You're not taking her. She's staying. Nobody leaves my party. And so I, I got her to get out of the cab and she came back to the party. And 35 years later, she's still with me. That's good I'm stuff. I'm just going
1: to go get a cloth to wipe my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i i i wish we
3: could have her on for her side of that fucking story, story, story yeah. I, I guarantee you there's a, there's a couple things yeah. missing there
2: she, she was on the roof of the cab and didn't want to get down right. <laughs> we used to have a hey, roscoe we had great parties at your place oh, so remember that we'd have yeah. those parties on friday nights and our one buddy he's a nice guy but we didn't always want him there frank farkas hopefully he's not <laughs> listening to this podcast so we park our cars around the corner remember so when yeah. Frank drove by, he thought
4: there was nobody there. <laughs> yeah, we'd, we'd all park. There'd be maybe 10, 15 of us, and we'd all park our cars at the other guy's <laughs> house, right? Yeah. So he'd be going all around Rexdale trying to figure out where the hell we were. <laughs>
3: Down to ch- change his fucking name. He might have invited <laughs> invited to more I mean, events.
2: How about his brother, Bobby? Bobby <laughs> Bobby. Bobby Farquat.
4: Farquat.
1: <laughs>
4: Actually, there was another party that comes to memory where... Um, uh, my good friend, Lester Barnell, uh, yeah. was doing, uh, doing the dancing in the basement and he was, you know, figuring he was, uh, like Johnny Mid-guided. Travolta and, uh, he did one of these fist pumps into the sky there. And we, of course we had low ceilings in the basement and he punched his fist <laughs> right through my, my, uh, the ceiling. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, mom, you're right. I had a party.
1: <laughs> Little Alan Parsons project. Oh, yeah. away.
4: Oh. Yeah.
0: As the days, awesome stuff. So another story we're going to move along is from growing up, and and I believe, babe, you were a part of this. The uh, the bus ride from North Bay, babe. Do you want to maybe open up with this one?
1: Yeah, you know what, I will, because we have two participants on the call uh, that were on the bus, so uh, we're playing with Royal York Royals, and we'd have this big bus trip up the North Bay each year, and it's like a six six hour bus ride, so. The one year they said, oh, you can, you know, we needed extra people to get on the bus. So they said, you can bring your buddies if you want. And, you know, parents of, you know, whoever wanted to go. But we had one rule. You had to bring a two for a beer if you're going to come on this bus trip. So we went up to North Bay and we won. And I I don't think the Royals, you know, I mean, we we had some success up there, but we beat them fairly soundly. And it was a, a festival coming back. It was just wild times. And. So everybody's drinking away, drinking away. And little did we realize we'd been, you know, probably about hour three. We realized that we've been stopped on the side of the road for two hours. <laughs> Nobody knew it. And my parents were on the bus and anytime time anybody would speak, no, nothing would happen. Coombs would say something. My mom would go, what would she say? Coombs.
4: Oh, I can't even remember, babe. You got me on that one. Shut up, Ross. Shut up, Ross.
1: <laughs> but it was like everybody else could be chatting away and this was piped up straight on them but we had that was one of the best trips ever okay. why were you we stopped we, we, fucking bus we had had broke
2: a f- down we had, had a like flat, tire.
1: So flat then- tire and then
2: remember that they tried to we somehow pried the side window open burn and burnsey tried to bring the inner tube inside the cab of the freaking bus like it was mad it was absolute bedlam and and you know like babe said they had made us bring a two-four that was a fucking mistake (laughs) and babe was he was conducting court in the back of the bus remember roscoe and he was doing johnny carson and uh with ed mcmahon doing karnak the the amazing amazing the best absolute best i don't think we got back to we got back to western arena it was probably a four in the morning and I remember that because I think your parents had the brown granada then, remember? Yeah. And it was all frosted up. But I borrowed the team saw that they used to cut the sticks with to scrape the <laughs> ice off of the Patterson windshield. Mrs. P's like, okay, don't do that. Ah, fuck, it works good.
4: <laughs> it was, sorry, Mrs. P. Actually, Mrs. I, B I don't even know. I don't even know how we got out of that rink alive to begin with. I mean, that oh, yeah. that is a lion's den going into North Bay. And, of course, we're all jacked out of shape. And, uh, uh, you know, we're just catcalling the North <laughs> Bay uh, team. And, and boy, they didn't like us that day. Maybe they're, they're the ones that slashed the tires. tires. Who knows?
2: And there were legends on that bus, right? Hoy was on there, yeah, Bruce yeah. Driver. Uh, who was the remember? goaler?
4: Was it? Uh, Teske.
1: Teske, Mark Teske. We had, yeah. remember... We, we were stopped and the police came on the bus. So Gord, Gord Driver comes back, who is Bruce Driver's dad. He goes, okay, everybody, you got to be quiet here. Everybody got to be settled down, you know, put the beers down because we have some underage people on the bus. And so we all looked around, we go, frick, the only one that's underage is his kid. <laughs> yeah. <that's laughs> exactly. pounding him back again.
2: Fuck off, Gordy. Sorry, <laughs>
1: <Yeah. Yeah. laughs> Mrs. <laughs> B. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, I had to watch my language on that trip, and I, I didn't didn't fa- I failed at that exercise.
0: I'm sure you did, Kote. Uh,
2: that was a cla- that was a that was unbelievable. I, uh, it was like yesterday we were on that bus. That was uh, so good.
4: One yeah. of the many road trips, eh, hey, babe? Yep, yeah, been so many of them. Oh my god. <laughs> so another another
0: story where you guys had car trouble um, mm-hmm. involves a trip to Potsdam. <laughs> um, so why don't you start with that one, Ross?
4: Well, there's there's just so many great nights at Potsdam, you know, I, the, the, along the way, uh, even uh, seeing Donnie do the carry routine under the stage at the spring ball. I mean, there were just so many great events. But uh, if if you're thinking about relative to me, the one that really sticks is what I call the Potsdam car crash. And uh so we would we would go out drinking uh uh at the whiskey. There was what, the whiskey one, the boiler room. I can't remember all the names, babe. The gin but mill. The, the, yeah. yeah. Uh, so so anyway, organs. Yeah. We would we would be in whiskey one and I and all I remember is they had that wheel and they would spin the wheel every hour for the drink that was on special. And so at the first of the night, you know, they'd spin <laughs> the wheel and it'd be gin and tonic or rum and coke or whatever the heck it would be. And And we'd go right along with the type of thing. Okay, no problem. That's on special. We'll drink that now. Right. And then about, you know, three, four hours into the night, we started to go fuck that. That's, that's not the drink we want. Right. So we'd make the guy spin again until he'd spin to the right drink that we wanted uh, for the next hour. And then ultimately by the end of the night, we would jump over the counter of the bar and we would just grab the wheel and go tick, tick, tick. That's the (laughs) one we want. Right. So, so needless to say, uh, yeah, I I got overserved that night. And of course I had driven, uh, and my car was parked across the street and we were heading down to a frat party. So, uh, uh, babe begins to give me the gears in the parking lot that, you know, I shouldn't be driving. Right. And so I think we had a five, five minute dissertation as to the benefits of him driving versus me driving. And of course I threw him the keys and I said, fine, you can drive the car. Right. And it was a bit of a, snowy night we we go down one street and make a right turn and he fishtails my cutlass supreme right into a telephone pole (laughs) and and i don't know who was in the front seat of the car but i was in the back seat of my own car and i'm just laughing my guts out after you hit this pole, and uh so we continued the night and then uh obviously the next morning we got to go assess the damage right and babe goes oh don't don't worry i got i got a friend down at the corner you know he's a mechanic he'll fix your car no problem he says you take the honda back to toronto and i'll have it fixed for you by next week right so i get in the red bomb and sunday afternoon i head back to toronto and i i got this beautiful car for a week with the with the wooden bumper on the back of it and uh so I drive back down to Potsdam the week after to pick up my car and I go fuck babe I thought you said you were fixing it right <laughs> but so whatever the guy did he fixed it and it was still looking like a piece of crap anyway <laughs> So yeah. I drive it back to Toronto and it breaks down on me on the way back to Toronto. And that was virtually the end of the car. So, uh, but babe, babe, uh, he compensated me for that car. He gave me a pair of day skates. If you guys remember those skates, so
1: they were that's, solid that, skates. that's really what I got for that car. And,
4: uh, today. that's what I got, ended up getting for that car when it was all said and done. And just like the car going in the garbage, I think the skates eventually did too. <laughs>
1: You know, what the people don't realize, though, is the tires were bald. You know, I didn't even think about checking them before I drove the vehicle. But I did honk the horn first before we hit the pole. (laughs) pole. (laughs) I think Lil was in the car with us.
4: You mean in today's world, you probably would have sued me, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah.
3: I I was. I think there was. Was that the only car? The rest of us were walking, I think, because I think I was. Somebody I think I was walking. You
1: guys. Oh I, my god!
3: Th- I was walking behind, and I'm I just burst into tears because this
4: car just nerves.
1: <laughs> uh, and you know. Yeah. Well, plus, yeah. I mean the the telephone poles were right on the side of the street. The oh, of car course, yeah. Kerber and yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. ditch. Yeah, well, I, like,
4: seemed, I seem to recall it might have been Lil in the front seat of the car. Yeah, I, I think, think I think you might
3: be right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would have that, loved to have heard
4: his comment.
3: That, that, <laughs> that probably made, that probably made the car swerve
1: to the right a little bit. <laughs> Oh my God. Oh, <laughs> yeah. shit. Yeah. Uh, funny oh, what's the next story? What's the next
0: story? <laughs> uh, Donnie, you're going to jump in here. <laughs> yeah, I got, you
3: know, so, so uh, one summer, uh, and I, I don't know what, what summer it would have been, but uh, uh, it was, it was this time Sid got married, right? So Sid got married in Windsor, and uh, Ro- Roscoe and I uh, made the trip together and uh so we left i guess we left on the friday maybe it was the friday and the the saturday wedding and we might we might have went a day early went on the thursday because we we swung by and we made a little pit stop in wallaceburg remember that roscoe oh yeah yeah Yeah. and (laughs) uh a little visit there and uh got all uh all juiced up and then uh we made our way to windsor and uh and Sid's wedding was just a classic because you got to remember, this was first of all, this was this was the wedding that originally was they they picked the date was Dom Day. And we we're like, Sid, what are you doing? You know, we, <laughs> we can't go. We got Dom Day. So we, basically, we made Marianne change the date of the wedding. So that put us in the bad books, you know, right? From day, yeah, from day one. But but Roscoe and I went down and we got a hotel. We had this hotel on the. I want to say it was a holiday inn right on the water uh in Windsor and uh and we had we had all the gang there there was a whole whole bunch of whole bunch of the boys there and and uh we got into it pretty good and then ended up at the wedding and they had a DJ that god he looked just like herb Tarlock. remember roscoe <laughs> yeah <laughs> and we got going on it and we were we were just you know and then right in the middle of the reception we started the banter because at that point you know we're whatever 10 12 beers into it there was no we had no cares in the world and <laughs> we just started unloading on marianne and whatever and her family was looking at us like you know <clears throat> and so we we anyhow we somehow we got through the reception and we came back to the hotel and and all i remember is ross at one point <laughs> at one point he was just face down on the bed just you know face plant and we were we were done and uh but it was a great time, and I am not even quite sure how it happened, you know, because uh, it's not like yeah. Ross and I made many trips together. Truthfully, that that's the only one, really, the two of us, right, right, Roscoe. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, but we had a ball. I mean, we had an absolute blast.
4: And uh... I think that's I think Donnie, that's where we might have come up with the uh, how you doing <laughs> when we rented the room together, and hey, Donnie, how you doing? I'm doing i do it fine. How you doing? <laughs> Yeah. But
3: uh yeah, Roscoe was a—he was a class A boozer, and he ended up face down on the bed. He didn't make it the whole night. And I remember Woodford was there, Jed Pino, um, Al, all, all, yeah, Al, Pete. You know, a whole bunch of us were there. Yeah, we didn't invite any you schmucks, but somehow Ros- <laughs> Roscoe made the guest list. I think he might have been—you might have been my date. <laughs>
4: no, no, I, well, I actually played, had a membership at uh, Richmond <coughs> Hill with right. uh, Sid, played a lot of golf with Sid back then in those days. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Good times. Yeah.
4: So another story that would
0: involve uh, Donnie was the 1980 Hopkins championship and stealing the cake. Um, that was one of the memories. My dad jumps it said jumps out to him thinking back. Um, so Donnie, why don't you tell us set the stage with 1980.
3: Yeah, 1980 was a while ago, Um, but we uh, that was uh, my second year at Hopkins. And, uh, you know, uh, I found out the year before that, uh, you know, the the team had booked a hotel for after the the championship game, um, you know, assuming we were going to win and we're going to have a big celebration and a, a party and whatever. And so this one was up at Cornell. And so a bunch of the boys came down, um, for the, for the weekend and, uh, and, uh, they had, we won and, uh, and then we had this reception back at the hotel. I don't know what, what, it was. I mean, Sleepy was there and, uh, yeah. and, uh, Cote and, uh, Woodsy, Chevy,
1: Woodsy, saw...
3: jo- Joey, babe. Yeah. yeah. There was a real cluster of guys there and, you know, they're obviously they're way ahead of, me and you know the rest of our guys who were into it pretty good but we just played a game and we're just you know these guys come to their reception and they're just you know they're full guns of blazing right and so so the year before at the 79 game which was in maryland and we we did the same thing at a hotel somehow i ended up 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 on the stage um surprise yeah at uh at this reception. And I get up there and I did a little spiel for like 20 minutes and was started ragging, ragging guys. And, you know, we, I was announcing all the seniors and, and making a joke of it. And, you know, the four letter words were, you know, and all, all so When I, when we did the second one in 80, they wanted me to do it again. So I got up there and I started to do the same thing. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I'm talking about the team and roasting all these guys and, you know, having a great old time. And it's in a big, like, uh, ballroom, you know, so like a wedding ballroom, but a really nice one. Like it had, I, I remember it was like dark Oak, you know, it had nice finishes and really, you know, and I'm up, up at the front on, on a little mini stage and, you know, doing my thing or whatever. And all of a sudden on the to the left of me, the doors to the ballroom burst open. Right. Like they just burst open <laughs> and this, you know, everybody looks over and I, I don't know what I said, but I, I was probably thinking, Oh no, you know, and sure enough, Cote and the and the gang come firing through, and we had a championship cake, like a you know, congratulations, NCAA champion, some huge friggin' cake, right? And I think it was you, right, Cote, that grabbed the cake. Yeah, Excellent. yeah, <laughs> oh yeah,
1: damn. and followed by the troop. You got the right gun. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, first yeah. I before we took it, I remember in line, and I diagrammed in the icing the winning goal like with a fork <laughs> and people were just losing it. They eh? pass across here over to this guy and the ice is going everywhere. And then, yeah. And then the, then the cake ran out, but a couple of things happened a eh, Donnie before the end of this story. And that was, so the pool. we were at, we the were, pool. We, yeah, well, so we were at Cornell. We we're at Ithaca. It was screaming hot for that game and those big metal stands that they have. I remember us being starving. So we stole a whole rack of hot dog or hamburger buns That So that we could eat because we, I don't know if we drank all our money after the game, we were out on the field, throwing around a mini football and sleepy ran into the goalpost at full speed and almost (laughs) broke himself in half.
4: And then, and then
2: back at that hotel. And it seems like it was like a holiday Inn but there was like a pool area. And Dave Huntley was assistant coach, right. For Hopkins or associate coach. He was just, he, he was just
3: there to watch.
2: But he he had a suit on. He had a suit on, and we were—he was there at the banquet. And Chevy gave him a hip bump, and there (laughs) and Dave Huntley went into the pool with his suit on, and it was (laughs) it was unbelievable. We're like people were like, (laughs) "Wow, that really happened." Dress (laughs) shoes the whole nine yards.
0: Did you want to jump in?
1: Yeah, I swear to God, if you look at the pictures on the field of the guys in the championship, you know when they're getting their trophy, Cote is in the picture. We were looking around, we're going, where's everybody? We got everybody, but Cote and somebody looks on the field. There he is. You know, he's freaking got chick. Wasn't your coach named chick? Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah. Chick he's hugging chick yeah. and he's freaking high five at everybody.
4: Do you want to hop in? They nailed it. I mean, the one thing that I really remembered the most was uh, sleepy doing the face plant on the goalpost there uh, after the game. But, yeah, and
2: then we took the cake, and you were with us in the car, oh, right? So oh, we, oh, got, yeah. Gordy, yeah. Gordy was driving. What was that? A Caprice? That beige Caprice yeah. that was his dad's, and we got the cake in the front seat, and we drove through downtown Ithaca. And we yeah, I don't, meet. I don't, don't did, even,
4: I don't remember what we did uh, with the cake when it was all said. Uh, we threw it at threw the it the out people. Cars yeah okay yeah because
2: yeah. you would be, and we didn't mean to it just <laughs> zipped out of our hands but uh, you knew you'd made a strike because you'd look back and you could see people putting on their windshield wipers yeah
3: it on was on it a... was gutery at his finest oh, <laughs> was,
2: yeah but we're just taking
4: yeah.
1: handfuls of his NCAA <laughs> was... cake
4: oh see, Johnny, he... that that uh, the wtt training paid off yeah yeah Donnie thought it was the greatest what thing in
2: the world. Who really gave have... a shit about the cake, but it was just like, well, we tucked the cake through it in the front seat. There was cake everywhere.
1: Oh God. A lot of heavy icing made for good throwing. Oh, yes, did they... it
2: ever. Did it
1: ever. I, oh, I heard about that forever.
3: I heard about that. <laughs> Are your friends coming again? Are they... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh...
4: You know, Donnie, there's another real quick one with, with you and I, I don't know if you remember this, but, um, uh, you live not too far away from me on Moncrief there and Delmo had the uh, the Day party one year and so you and I ended up driving together to the party I don't know whether you drove or I drove but <laughs> for what for for whatever reason we stupidly picked up a bottle of Bailey's remember that yeah and it, and it was it was like we thought we were smart guys and we were gonna coat our stomach with Bailey's before this this uh, <laughs> party right so <laughs> sure enough, we, da- we we downed this on the front lawn of Pete's place before going into the the party, and uh, that's the night I set the record for 17 funnels, which uh, to this very day, I, I say it's more than that, because I have no idea how many was poured in while I was drinking the damn things, but uh, anyway... You know, a couple of years later when uh, the party was up at Bear's Place, and I know you talked about it before, the young fellow there, Mike Fuda, wanted to challenge this record. And uh, so I believe he got up to about 11 or 13 funnels and, and people were coming over me going, hey, he's going after your record, right? And I thought, well, I can't, I can't let him get too far in advance of me. If I ever have to prove my worth, if he's, you know, got sixteen, seventeen beer in him, and I, I got to start from scratch, that's not going to be a good thing. So I, I do a quick nine funnels, <laughs> and uh, sure enough, he does about twelve or thirteen, and then, and then he just starts puking his guts. And I figured, oh, that's it. I don't need to do any more tonight. I don't need to prove anything in there. So I went back to the party. Yeah.
2: Good to coat your stomach though with, uh, yeah, yeah, Bailey's. That yeah, that about, was, yeah, yeah, brilliant,
3: brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't,
3: I haven't touched Bailey's since.
2: Yeah, uh, it's <laughs> like lemon gin, baby duck, all those bad <laughs> ones.
0: Oh. All right, guys. So we're going to switch gears and talk about a, a different sporting memory. Um, we've talked uh, talked a bit about Babe winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, game six at the Montreal Forum of the Stanley Cup final. You were there why don't you tell us a bit about it dad?
4: Yeah. Well, in fact, uh, I was at game two in Calgary, uh, as you'll recall, babe, uh, I went out there on business and, uh, and babe got me some just incredible seats about eight, eight, nine rows up behind the bench. And, uh, you know, unfortunately you guys lost that night, but, uh, I lived in Montreal at the time and, and, uh, had a good friend uh Jeff Neiman who Babe you'd remember yep, absolutely. Uh, was a uh, was an agent he owned an agency and he, he used to do a lot of work with the <laughs> NHL and the NHLPA. <clears throat> so when I was at Kraft he got me tickets to uh, game 6 in the forum and uh so you know I was quite honored to be there and share in, in Babe's uh you know childhood dream coming to reality and uh Funny story though. So Nifty says we got to get you down to the dressing room area uh, after the game, and so down we go. And and you know how there's the corridor, and then they they've got sort of the small corridor between the general public and the and the rink, and they had that all cordoned off, and they had. Um, uh aprons or whatever so that you couldn't get past there same place where they
3: put gordy and al and i and bobby yeah same same place yeah
4: Yeah, so so, um so uh nifty said hey can can you do me a favor and let colin patterson know his friends out here right so sure enough babe comes out and he's got half his hockey gear still on and he's sweating like a pig after the the win obviously and i'm in a suit and and so here's this guy that's just won his childhood dream. And he gives me this huge bear hug and he goes, Coombs, this is the greatest day of my fucking life. And I, and I sort of back off away from him and I go, babe, fuck off. I'm wearing a suit. <laughs> <laughs> so that was sort of my way of bringing him back down to earth. But, uh, boy, that was, that was a great year. And, and, uh, I, I was so, I was so honored to be a part of it. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and just... I still I
1: still want to kick your ass to this day for not coming back in the dressing room. As I said to you, come on in the dressing room, you know, and Coombs wouldn't come. Goes oh, he, enjoy it. he was on his way to
3: the fucking cleaners. They yeah, get mart- martinizing. He, he was so worried about his
2: goddamn suit. You know, <laughs> One suit. <Yeah.
0: laughs> I do think though, as well, it's it's interesting perspective as, as we kind of you know get into the final stretches of, of this interview to, you know. Babe's greatest moment of his life was winning the Stanley cup dovetails perfectly with, you know, dad telling us earlier that the keg race was the greatest moment of his life. So I just think, you know, when we're, we're just putting athletic careers into perspective, sometimes it's good to just, you know, bookend it with that memory there. Any, any other, uh, any other thoughts from, from that night, dad, before we move on?
4: No, it was just uh, the only thing uh, that came out of that too, is obviously they had to fly back to Calgary and babe, you'd know this better than I, I did, but they shipped you guys out of there pretty quick. And from what I understand, uh, all the booze on the airplane was, was gone pretty quick. And, uh, you know, you had to wait to get back to Calgary to get more booze, but, uh, anyway, it was, it was yeah. a great night.
1: Yeah. We tried to talk Cliff Fletcher, who was our general manager into landing the plane in Winnipeg. <laughs> <laughs> so we could get more more <coughs> moves. Uh, never happened
0: awesome so we're gonna get into our final topic and we we touched briefly on it at the beginning but um 20 years took you 20 years to win a uh a domday championship um tell us a bit about 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 winning and and that i mean you had a you had a long streak uh thankfully Kenny rook came al- came along and made that streak a little bit longer but tell us about you know how long it took you to win
4: Well, you said it 20 years. And uh, I think we mentioned earlier on that, uh, you know, I had a great chance to win it in year one, but I don't think I I had a real good sniff at winning between years uh, one and 20. Uh, Yeah, it was, it was a drought, no question. Um, But uh, you know, I'll tell you something and, and not to, not to get uh, weepy over this, but uh, you guys will recall, I lost my brother the year before uh, tragically and he used to love coming to Dom day and he'd sit down the first baseline near Mrs. P and Mrs. P's tree and that. And, and every year he would say to me, you know, you can't win them all as long as you tried your best. And that was his line all the time. And, and for years, I I'd, I'd say, for Christ's sakes, just let me win one. Right. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, you know, the following year uh, it came true and I, and I finally won. And, and uh, i've never said this but uh, we we had that game pretty much in hand in the bottom of the sixth inning i think it was and so you know here i am behind the catcher and and i'm i'm just a i'm just a mellow I, i'm just teary-eyed thinking of him and and uh, that was for the both of us so that's my memory
1: and Coombs maybe talk about what you had in your ball cap because you had his you had the it written out and Todd's name in there
4: Yes. And just the whole memory of, uh, you know, uh, as long as you try your best, uh, you know, I had that in the the ball cap. So he was on my mind. That's for sure. Uh, That's that's a good story. That's awesome stuff. So just some,
0: some final thoughts maybe on, on winning. I know, I know we give uh, a lot of guys some, some hard times about having not won. There's, there's a list of about 10 and I know we, We give Dizzy some pressure, but, you know, let's put some pressure on maybe Billy Bass, Daniel Gallagher, uh, Matt Shepard, Matt Gallagher, Spencer Coates, Spid, Smidge, Ryan Sellers, Evan Flanagan. None of those guys have won yet. Some of them are are long streaks now. What would your advice be to those guys who are waiting to win their first title?
4: Well, it's pretty simple. Quit your goddamn crying and wait your fucking turn. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I can see why the socks did well.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Motivation, <laughs>
1: leadership. Yep. That's what it's all about.
0: And yeah. any any other com- comments? <laughs> no. <laughs> Quit your crying and wait your fucking turn. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. We're gonna leave it there. We're gonna get into some final thoughts. So why don't so
3: we start we yep. well we one thing we, we never touched on the the jeg the JEG appointment (laughs) so at at, uh at one point in the in in roscoe's illustrious dom day career he was anointed the first ever Jeg, which was the junior executive gopher uh (laughs) which was not a god position it was a what did we call it it wasn't it wasn't god it was
1: not a gopher, gopher position
3: yeah not an angel or whatever we had some other name for it and and Ross was basically, you know, you know, go get us a case of beer, go do this, go do that. I don't know, I don't know what his responsibilities were. <laughs> but then we stripped him of it. I, I don't know what happened. I i just piecing it all together now. Just all of a sudden thinking about the jag.
1: <laughs> like, oh. Well, you,
4: uh, you, the reason you stripped me of it okay <laughs> was was you you guys had me arrange the uh the winter meetings there over christmas that year and uh <laughs> it was a pretty dismal turnout for it was almost like a setup to begin with but uh but that's so that's okay i mean again uh it's part it's part of the the fun and the jocularity yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh shit
0: some of, the, guys. some
1: of the
3: shit we do yeah
0: Guys, All righty guys, let's, let's get into some final words. Uh, dad, let's start with you. Just some final words on Dom day.
4: Yeah. You know, um, obviously I've had 25 additions to think about, uh, and knowing that you were going to ask this question. Uh, but, uh, you know, for me, it was, how do I sum it up in one word? What, uh, Dom day means, to, means to me, and that is grateful. Um, you know, honestly, I, I have been blessed to have the greatest friends on earth, no question. A couple of you here, obviously, tonight, and uh, we know who all they are. Um, you know, our friendships stood the test of time and, and will for long past our, our playing days, for sure. Um, you know, I've been further enriched by some of the friendships that I've made uh, as a result of playing in Dom Day, people that I didn't know before. Uh, that I see well beyond Dom Day today, and and I'm fortunate for that as well. Uh, we talked a bit about it tonight, you know, having the, the strength to overcome 20 years of less than mediocrity before finally winning, uh, you know, it, it takes its toll. But uh, the important thing is, at the end of the day, I've realized it's not about winning Dom Day, but it's really about the uh, – treasure of the meaningful and lasting friendships that we do have. That's the most important thing to me. And there's no question that along the way, having given everyone the opportunity to have some giggles and laughs over my skill set capability, it's, it's of paramount importance to me. I think I said it earlier, if you can't laugh at yourself, you have no right to laugh at other people. And God knows we laugh at people in Dom Day. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun. You know, the other thing, knowing that the socks uh, will always be a legacy chapter in Dom good, bad, or indifferent, and, and subsequently being honored with the Hall of Fame has uh, been a, a true honor for me, and it, it really demonstrates that uh, it's not about how well you play the game, it's hopefully you impacted somebody along the way, and I hope I did, so, but the, the final thought I really have is, the most important thing to me is my immediate family's love of Dom Day. Um, they were never forced to love Dom Day. They chose to do it on their own. Uh, and you know, I look at, I look at uh, you know, Franny running out every year down to Costco to buy all the buns and the condiments to make sure the diamond side grill uh, gets mm. off effectively. work that carly does with the organization team to help them with the chores they have Uh, it's truly amazing and uh, and i'm so proud of them Uh, but you know justin most of all uh, i've seen you absolutely embrace this tournament and uh, uh, take it on you as your own You, you know i've had the pleasure of almost winning a championship with you uh, I am honored to help coach you now into the with you uh, now into the future. Um, but I just love your drive and your passion to make this the best tournament on earth. And, uh, I'm so very proud stuff. Donnie, final thoughts.
3: Babe, you got any of those tissues left? Yeah. Babe. I
1: just went through my box there. Okay. Sorry. Yeah.
3: No, well said, Ross. You know, some of the things that you, you said there are uh, uh, so poignant. And uh, the thing about Dom Day, and I've always said this, it's not it's not your skill level at uh, baseball that matters. It really isn't. It hasn't been for forever, ever since we started, you know. Um, and uh, you uh, personified that. And you accepted that and you relished it. There were others, others have ran from it, you know? Uh, and so, you know, I think about all the times that I picked you to be a serviceman. I mean, I don't know how many Beasley's jerseys you have in your closet or, but it's a lot. And uh, to me, you know, it's, you know, and I think you guys know this and everybody, it's all about the, the uh, relations and the fun and the, uh, the jocularity. And, and at the end of the day, after three days, if you somehow happen to win a championship, that's awesome, but it's what goes on in those three, four days that makes this thing right. And, and the way that we all just pick up, uh, you know, in the case of of really all you guys, but you know, with you, Ross, I, I only see you uh, typically once a year. And, you know, when we get on the field or we get at one of the events there, it's like, you know, we've been hanging out uh, every day for the past year. You know, we just pick right back up and uh, we catch up a little bit on what's currently going on in our lives. But then we backtrack quickly into, you know, all of all the uh, all the fun and all the uh, all the times, great times we've had together. And, And so you've you just to me, you just epitomize like the fun of Dom Day and accepting, you know, um, you know, there's a lot of ragging and a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff that goes around and, and some people, you know, they're not made for it. They they can't, uh, they can't deal with it and for whatever reason. It's a shame because it's all, it's, it's, it's not in a harmful way. It's all in, in a fun way. And when you accept it and you just run with it and you roll with it and you've, you've always been, you know, a great big part of the fabric of this tournament. I mean, just, just, just your presence on there. And it hasn't changed. You know, you stopped playing how many years ago, who cares? You know, you're there at the field every, every, every year on the weekend, you're, you're doing the same things. You're laughing, you're making the same jokes. You're, you know, you're, you're, you've just been a treasure for Dom De. So So, uh, you know, I'm lucky that, uh, that we got you into it. I consider myself lucky and just our friendship over the years. And I know that everybody at Dom day just loves Roscoe's
0: size. So. Yeah. some stuff cote final thoughts
2: well on a, on a less serious note just to start so i was thinking back about about when you were uh, originally appointed junior executive and i was thinking um you know if maybe if justin was around then and he could have got you some pointers on organizing a meeting maybe you would still be on the executive but but that didn't happen till a few years later so hence you got fucking punted and now Justin's involved in it but Roscoe you know you, you know our our, uh, our families go back to Rexdale United Church as I do with the Pattersons and and the Copelands and all that kind of stuff so um, and you, you had awesome parents love to see your mom and dad they were they were amazing and as was your sister and your brother and so we, we've had a lot of great times together uh, humped it up north to uh, to Muskoka many a time and uh, continue to do that so Um, and, and even now we get to golf on a fairly regular basis. So great to see you. And, and I think everybody on this call knows uh, the admiration that we have for, for your son, Justin and everything that he's done and, and the fact that he's an awesome guy and he's just cool to hang out with. So awesome to have you on the show today. You know how much I love you. And, um, we'll, uh, you know, as, as COVID ends and look forward to seeing you, uh, sooner than later. So thanks for coming on Roscoe.
4: Thanks for
0: Abe, final thoughts.
1: Boom's um, always a pleasure, uh, you know, from our days in kindergarten and uh, until you accelerated in grade, what was it, four or five? Um, and then came back to us in grade 13 uh, at the same level. I mean, it seems to be a thing on this call, isn't it? Okay. Yep, exactly. <laughs> but <laughs> We got so fucking ma- dumber. <laughs> oh, so many great times. And, you know, as you said, you know, you, you think about your first run at Dom Day and you're umping and all you're taking is shit from everybody. And I remember that uh, there's no fucking way I want to ump. ever. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you think about that to playing to winning and, you know, and having that when you won and you're 20 for you, I mean, that was pretty special to everybody because everybody knew what you went through and everybody was there for you and rooting for you. And I think that was one of the, you know, the best memories of Dom day for me was you know, coming out to the field and congratulating you and just hugging her out again because, you know, your brother meant a lot to me too. Uh, but now Justin and the things that he's doing for the tournament and what, just what Carly does, what Franny does, I mean, the whole family has embraced it. And, and that's, I think, every family on this call and, and people who are part of Dom But, you know, you went back to and you said, you know, what would you tell people? Um, and Donnie hit on it, you know, don't give up, keep playing you know, cause that that's the whole thing is keep playing and keep enjoying people. And you know what shit happens in life, but you know, one of the things that you always love is getting back to Dom day and I can't wait till we can get back and, and have a couple of beers sitting on that. Uh, uh, Mrs. P's tree again. So love you, buddy.
0: Thanks bud. Awesome stuff. And just some final thoughts for me. I mean, obviously, uh, nice to have my dad on 25 episodes later. Um, huge influence obviously in my uh dom day memories i mean the thing that babe hit on is you know each family has their unique set of memories as far as um what dom day means to them those uh you know rides to and from the field the moments of bickering the trash talk around the kitchen table um the boasting after a championship and the chirping after an for season um we all have those we've all been through those and definitely a significant part of, of my growing up, but, you know, it should be no surprise to anybody that, you know, my dad never passed along the ability for me to hit a ball or, or uh, catch a ball or any of that sort of stuff. I didn't get um, my skills. You know, he didn't teach me very well in skills, but he did um, obviously teach me one thing. And that was to cherish this tradition, cherish the people who are part of it um, and, and always make it a part of your life. Because if you do that, the people who are part of it will, give it back in spades. So um, I would say definitely one of my most important lessons that I've ever learned from my dad is putting uh, this, this group of people first. So um, well, I can't catch a ball, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that because he taught me the more important uh, lesson. So I thank you for that. Um, and then also, you know, I, I was recently with some, some of the younger guys and, and we were talking about, you know, um, I was talking with Ian and, and Ian said, you know, I've, I've never had the opportunity to win a championship with my dad. Uh, And that's something I would, I would love to do. And some of the other guys we were, you know, reflecting on, you know, uh, Paul had one with with Spencer and, and Jeremy and Nick and that sort of stuff and how cool that would be. And, and when we never got to do it, as you were playing, I am so glad that you still continue to be involved and coach with the snappers and hopefully one day we'll, we'll get to win together. Um, so thank you for all that guys. Um, I appreciate uh, what you've done for me and uh, thank you. So we're going to leave it here. Um, we'll see you guys on our next episode. In the meantime, be sure to like rate and subscribe to the Dom Date Tales podcast. Thank you and have a good night.